I'm uh, Calvin Reed, Senior News, ed- News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World, and I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Heidi McDonald, also the Co-Editor of PW Comics World and the uh, Graphic Novel Reviews Editor for Publishers Weekly. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons, and I'm their podcast producer. And uh, an opinionated, knowledgeable reader comics of comics. Fan. Yes. So we're going to go through uh, a number of topics here and uh, kind of uh, uh, have some exchanges and discussion about you know, what, what we think are some of the interesting things going on in the world of comics uh, this week. Um, and hopefully offer some insights and behind-the-scenes uh, analysis. And we'll start off with uh, what else could we start off with but uh, the DC reboot. Is that the opening to this week's Mordecai? No, that was the opening to the very first episode of More to Come on June 24th, 2011. And five years later, Kate, Calvin, and myself, Heidi McDonald, are all here, and DC is rebooting again. So, you know, some things that we really called. Uh, on this very special edition of More to Come, we're going to be looking at some of the changes over the last five years, um, including the fact that we have a lot more social media than we did in that cold open, Calvin. Uh, that's true. So um, uh, uh, you can describe, don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on social media, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld for Facebook. And uh, we're also on Twitter at, at pwcomicsworld. And we're on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. So five years ago today on uh, More to Come. Uh, but actually, I should say it was June twenty. 20- first 2011 not june 24th (laughs) but no matter here we are again uh we're back uh we're going to take a look at uh the launch of more to come five years ago today um we're going to take a look at our awkward uh intro from that time and uh the much more polished professional version that we offer today right right. uh slightly yeah yeah slightly (laughs) but but you know uh we listened to a bit of that first podcast and uh, you know aside from normal people who are you know, uh, horribly embarrassed by listening to things that they did in the past. Uh, you know, as egotists, we all thought it was sounded pretty good. I got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what it did. It actually, and it, even the sound quality wasn't that bad. It was actually, I think, we, I, I think we recorded it on my iPod. If I'm not, I think, if I'm did. not mistaken. Yeah, it yeah. was reasonable. And by some token, very interesting. Um, the big news at the time was the new Fifty Two DC's reboot. And we're going to do that, and we're going to take a look at um, DC's, DC's a rebirth. rebirth. Uh, um, right. Well, why don't we do a postmortem on Let's New 52, and then uh, start talking about this big pile of rebirth comics we have sitting here looking at us. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, we'll, we'll take a look at um, the New 52. Uh, it, looks like, it seems like we also talked about digital day and date mm-hmm. releases. We're just starting. Uh, we'll take a look at, we talked about uh, retailers, digital. We even looked at the role of bookish. It, does anybody even remember Bookish now? Yeah, goodbye to all that. And you know what? 2011, uh, it was all about diversity pretty much the way it is now. Female creators uh, under the New 52. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's, so. well, that's it was, right. We were all about diversity, and the New 52 was not. Yeah, kind of right. wasn't. That was one of the problems that one. with the New 52. It was a huge contra- controversy at the time. That there were no women yeah. uh, involved in it. Maybe there was one. Hmm. Was there one woman involved in it? Gail Simone? Yeah. I think it was two. There yeah. were two, though. I don't remember. Yeah. Gail Simone was one. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I think at the time you mentioned that 
there might have been a third one somewhere. That, yes, uh, <laughs> they tried to find a third one. And of course, since... Out of, what, 100 cura- cu- right. uh, creators? That's right. And, uh, you know, a lot has changed in five years. I mean, we may still be just as witty and as insightful as we were five years ago, but a lot in comics has changed. So we'll be looking at that. But uh, like I said at the top, one thing that has not changed is DC is rebooting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I do think there is a little bit of a five-year... Uh, well, you know, a five-year cycle. Cycle, yeah. Yes, but usually the cycle is um, not as heavy a reboot as that's this. true. That's true. Well, you know, listen, when we, when the new Fifty Two hit comics five years ago in twenty eleven, uh, DC was in a very tough spot. Yes. Their sales, sales were, were plummeting. They were mm-hmm. way down. Um, you know, Marvel was doing quite well, and uh, you know, Marvel was eating their lunch. Yes, actually. Marvel was mm-hmm. actually, eating, and yeah. there was a lot of concern among retailers about you know why DC's uh, sales were so low. And uh, five years later, nothing has changed. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, Marvel is still the number one. Uh, well, they publisher. had their ups and downs in between. They have, but I do mm. believe that maybe for the first year of the new Fifty Two, DC was the number one publisher, like for a few months. But by and large, the past five years, Marvel has been the number one publisher month in and month out. And certainly, once again, unfortunately, uh, DC's lunch is being eaten now. Well, there was a lot of changes in the DC universe uh, for the new 52. For instance, uh, a Superman ditched Lois and started dating Wonder Woman. Right. Okay. Yeah. He was trading up for Demigod, I yes. guess. Uh, new 52 had a lot of... Yes, <coughs> to, the, to, the, to the character relationships and all that. Uh, something that was very specifically addressed in the Rebirth special, uh, which, which we talked hmm. about a few weeks ago. Uh, which seems to reverse everything yes. of the New but, 52. But, well, it didn't so or much... Or most of it. it. No, it sort of pasted them in together. So now you well, get both good point. That's a good point. Yes, yes, exactly. And, um, you know, listen, let's not mince words. The New 52 was a huge success. It was. It was. It sold like gangbusters. Uh, it, it, you know, blasted DC sales for a long time. Uh, and it had some pretty good comics. And it had some yeah. decent comics. And, and just a plug for us, because they're still online. We reviewed every single number one, number yes, one issue yes, of the New 52. So you can go to publishersweekly.com. And go into the database, the past. and you can you and you can see our takes. Each and every fifty-two number one we review because they were all number ones at yes. the time. That's the other thing they did away with all of the numbering, or at least some of the numbering. Like on Action Comics, they they started it over at number well, they one, did, didn't except they? Except for wasn't it like the Flash and Teen Titans? It was well, a couple they, of them. Maybe couple. they didn't. They they redid numbering, and then whenever the numbers the theoretical past sort of shadow numbers got to a momentous number then they would rebring it in yes, yeah, right. so like are we getting near like 400 or something well then boom suddenly we're back to 400 instead of 14 yeah. and of course it was a very tumultuous time as we talked about uh there was a lot of um you know controversy behind the scenes about you know which creators were being put on the books uh you know the the lack of of uh you know female and uh non-white creators was noted at the time uh, it was even worse than usual it was for much DC. Worse than usual. But but you know it was a big hit. It really got everyone excited, and yeah. I, it brought in a lot of new readers. And DC did a lot of things at that time that uh, were very smart. And you know one of the things we talked about was day and date digital. Yeah, it absolutely. was the first time that DC had made its periodicals available. And now and day and date like, digital is the norm. It yeah, is, and absolutely. this was that, that it was this was a key moment uh, yes. at a time in 2010 2011. Uh, comics retailers were absolutely te- uh, terrified of digital. Um, there was kind of uh, try- people were trying to figure out how to use it, 
And really, DC going day and date kind of changed the business. Yeah, I would say if there's any single lasting effect of the new Fifty Two, it probably is that that uh, you know that that it was a it broached that that event horizon. I mean, it would have happened anyway, but um, but it, you know somebody would have done it. But it proved it was, that it was, it was going to kill print sales. Yeah, and also it was a way to ram it through, right? Because you know you sweeten up the retailers by going, we're going to have this enormous event. You're going to sell comics like banana crazy. Oh, by the way, we're doing day and date. Unnegotiable, right. we're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and it was fun, which has turned out to be a fact. Uh, you know, really beneficial to retailers, as we have retailers have told us. In fact, digital comics have served as samplers and are now sending people into retailers. Right. Well, the new Fifty Two also kind of solidified something. You know, there's been a lot of criticism of DC editorial, and we've certainly talked about it here. Uh, over the past five years, there has been a lot of criticism that uh, it has replaced the role of the individual creator with more of a brand, mm -hmm. a branding, an editorial office oversight. I mean, there have been innumerable reports of creators who uh, ran afoul of editorial edicts, left the books angrily in flames. You know, Greg Rucka is one who stalked off in anger when he wasn't allowed to do certain things. Uh, after having a pretty good run at DC, but he's back for Rebirth, which uh, you know we'll we'll get to in a moment. All is forgiven. Yeah, all is forgiven eventually. <laughs> well, I, I think I think basically he must have gotten whatever freedom he was looking for on this book. Well, there was uh, I, I, you know a lot. He was given freedom, and he also got to do his young Wonder Woman story that was going to be uh, Wonder Woman Earth One that ended up being the Grant Morrison version yeah. of it. So, so now it's the legend of wonder yes Woman. it's the legend of wonder woman which but, is incidentally a very good comic yes which you know anyway some would say that this editorial approach is counterintuitive because certainly a lot of people have gone off left vertigo yes. gone to image comics and uh doing their stuff there and i you know there's just no i mean there's no two ways around it you know this is a creator-based industry yeah and, yeah and people follow characters for sure but the lot the there were good books yes, coming there out of the new 52. I mean, and many you know, of my favorites mm -hmm. died after about a year or two, but they existed yes. and you can buy them. And, and, they one are the real. Things, and, and one of the things actually that I think I mentioned in the original original uh, launch uh, podcast was that I, as the old fart fan, the older superhero fan, I, I did think it got me back into many of the books. Yeah. Now, some of them I didn't like, but I was reading them. I was really engaged and... Uh, I kind of felt like I could get back on a moving train. Right. You know? Yes, it was. It was yeah. a great jumping. On, it was a great yeah. jumping on point. Now I'd like to do. You know, one other legacy of the new Fifty Two that a lot of people have talked about, uh, which is really very interesting, is that the trade sales for the the new Fifty Two books were not as strong mm. actually as might have been hoped. And there have been like the again the Snyder uh, the mm. the Snyder run of Batman definitely was a. Um, you know, it's been a big success. It's a big seller. It remains yeah, that a big was seller. on the bestseller list yes. right from the beginning. Yes, yeah. right from the beginning. Um, I think some of the you know the Wonder Woman books have been okay. Uh, the Flash, actually, some of the Flash books have sold mm. very well, probably boosted by the TV show. But you know, by and large, there weren't a lot of book trade hits coming out of the New Fifty Two, and uh, you know that's a problem mm. because the backlist remains you know a source of a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I do wonder if one of the many things going into these thought processes that made Rebirth is that they wanted to connect up the old continuity to the new continuity with a little conjoined well, sprockety well, thing. In, that's kind of what has happened. In yeah. order that they that people would be interested in the old backlist again. Mm. Right. Because as it is, people were like, mm. well, who are these people? Everything's changed. Why do I want to read this really old comic? And so now it's all 
quote unquote relevant again, so maybe they'll be able to sell it. Well, let's jump forward to Rebirth. And as 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 we discussed uh, extensively in a previous episode, uh, there was a Zero Rebirth special written by Jeff Johns, yeah. who gave Kate and I a personal tour yes. of Rebirth, as we mentioned, uh, that this was taking us back to the old ways of DC that was filled with love and connections. And uh, it turned out that Dr. Manhattan had stolen the memories of all the DC characters, which we decided was a, a very interesting uh, allegory, perhaps, for the real world of the last five years. So we now have a bunch of zero rebirth. Uh, okay. What are they called? Like rebirth specials. Yeah. There's like eight the rebirth specials. A bunch of new number so, ones. And yeah. see, the thing is <laughs> that um, it was made more confusing because they're titled thus. <laughs> they're titled. So, for example, you've got Wonder Woman Rebirth, and then you have DC Universe Rebirth Wonder Woman. Right. Both of them numbered number one. Well, the more number ones you have, the better. But if you could just name them uh, something different every month and be all number ones and be Yes, because they actually number ones sell the best yes, of every. They do. <laughs> well, you know, look, for so whatever reason, DC, how DC goes about it, that, that's what they're stuck well, with. Yes. I think it's a spectacular mess. And you do have to wonder um, do. Does does the comic book and I, and I direct this to Kate? Do you the, is the kind of complexity, the convoluted continuity that DC has kind of left us with? Is is this a is this a a, a feature instead of a flaw? Do comic book fans really want an impenetrable universe? Because I mean things are a little clearer now, but not really. Well, look, <laughs> I, I think it's not. I think it's that that is what they're thinking of as the price to pay for getting back a lot of the character relationships that fans were interested in mm. that like that this is the convoluted continuity is a bug not a feature right okay that's what i'm trying to figure <laughs> it, out it is a bug not a feature but they're feeling okay. like in order to to be able to keep all those old storylines and keep all those old relationships they're going and also keep everything that happened in the last five years in comics mm. they're going to have to throw all the luggos up in the air and everyone go, I don't know, dude. Um, and I think that, frankly, these number ones are like in the ones that even bother to explain it, which they don't all do, uh, um, are, are just trying to like on ramp you. And then probably right. they won't like mention any of this world bending stuff most of the time. Right. It's, it's a, a classic getting up to speed. It's well, just you know, like, well, we were, <laughs> well, we were all tasked with reading a couple of issues of this. And uh, why don't we just go around and see, uh, get our candid reflections on, on the rebirth issues that we were tasked to read. And, you know, I probably read the fewest. So, because that's how I roll uh, five years <laughs> in. So I read uh, two issues of Aquaman here. I read Aquaman Rebirth and then And DC who was the team on that? Universe uh, Aquaman. It's written by Dan Abnett with uh, art by Brad Walker mostly. Uh, and uh, so let me see. And I also read The Flash and then I also read I read The Flash Rebirth and then I, I skimmed quickly through DC Universe Rebirth Flash. Uh, so anyway, now last, with the new 52, Aquaman was uh, kind of given this saucy reboot where it came to grips with the fact that everybody thinks he's a joke. And uh, it was kind of uh, very funny. I, I, I actually really, and I forget who wrote it, to be honest, but I, I thought it was, I, I really liked the new 52, Aquaman. Actually, that was our, our very own... Jeff Johns, oh, who wrote that right. one. That's right. That's why he liked it so much. So uh, <laughs> anyway, in this one, we've gone back to... Uh, um, 
you know, Aquaman is the, I don't even know what his name is. Because Arthur. I'm, Arthur. Arthur. That's right. Arthur Dent. No, that's no. not it. <laughs> Arthur Curry. <laughs> Arthur Curry, of course. Now, he, he has, I, I, you know, the last time I read Aquaman, he had a beard and had one hand. So now he's got two hands, no beard, clean shaven. He eats fish. I'm not so sure about that. Hmm. Uh, anyway, what this sets up is that he's the, neither fish nor fowl, really. He's the uh, both from land and from sea, and he must rule this under... Well, this underworld, this underwater, and, and, and unite all the factions. And you know what? I hated this comic. Uh, let me just get to the chase. It's like, I, I like the art. I thought the art was okay, but, but I found it impenetrable. And it was, oh, man, talk about on-ramping. It was just like you got this load of exposition that was tell, 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 tell. And, you know, I don't have any problem with telling when it's like some kind of complicated backstory that um you know would be you, hard to show that would be hard to show but really it's 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 so on the nose it's just like this it, it has this framing device it's just i did not i did not care for this comic i will not pick up issue two and uh yeah so that well, actually it. he tricked you into picking up issue two yes because it, because issue one <laughs> is kind of issue two yes. those so clever that, folks at so dc <laughs> i read titans rebirth number one and and wally uh rejoins the titans and then but he has to fight them because they don't know who he is gee i've never seen a story like that <laughs> i know really i know fresh. where do they get these, so like, these plots from those uh this story was also written DC. by our, our friend dan abnett who could be a very good writer i'm not i'm not putting down the, the talents of those above, although I don't much care for Brett Booth's art, and I know Kate isn't a fan well, either. let me explain my feelings on Brett Booth's art. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brett, Brett Booth has improved considerably in the last five years. But when, I mean, I'm not an art snob. I'm a writing snob, not an art snob. But when I read New 52, Teen Titans 1, I was just like, what is this? Her eyes are placed like a deer's no human being has a face shaped like that. Mm. I don't understand why is this so These terrible. These all have beady little eyes too. I yes. don't like. And now he has eyes. he has improved a good deal, but he's still kind of terrible. And I just wonder if he's somebody's cousin, right? Um, because he's been on this. He of all the new fifty two, he is the one artist that I know of who's still the same artist he's very on the same he's book. A very reliable. Uh, I think that's what it is. Can't they spread his awfulness around well, to a different book? I don't know, but uh, I did not. I didn't. Uh, the Teen Titans was a miss for me as well. Now I quickly had to read through the Flash because I'm so bad. Uh, I will say this is written by Josh Williamson and drawn by. Uh, at least the first issue, because the issues uh, that ship twice monthly are going to flip between artists. The first issue, both of these, so which books are drawn going? by Carmine Di Giandomenico, and he's excellent. I really liked his work. Uh, it does look very different, very different from what what you might consider the the house style. It's kind of it's more along the the Chang Riso Eduardo. I like Riso it. Line. It has a very European look. It does. Well, his name is Carmine Di Giandomenico, so he might be European, or he could be from Queens. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, I, the the colorist name is Ivan Placentia, so I don't know where he's from. Anyway, uh, but Heidi, I guess my question Perfect is: well, for let's, rebirth, let's huh? rewind here. Uh, which books are coming out by month? I don't twice remember. I don't yeah. have the list. Are they like but twice a month? Or yes, something? twice a month. But I think there isn't there like uh, sixteen of them or something. There's quite a few books. Yeah. Well, the basic ones: Batman, Superman, all the Batman titles, the Superman titles, Teen Titans, The Flash, Wonder Woman. Uh, Green Arrow. You're all going to come out I think a all the ones that have a, a Rebirth number one special are going to ship twice a month. Yeah. So yeah. that should be interesting. Yes, it should be. So the, the Flash, I give an incomplete grade. Uh, you know, it was a little bit too flashy for me. I mean, it's just, yeah, but I mean, not even. It was just like, you know, you got to really love 
Wally West and love Barry Allen and love all these like it's you know there's been so many flashes and you know I'm not invested in this character and this issue did not make me invested in it so so for me it will everything I read was a miss I'm sorry okay so I would say that uh, the Green Arrow comics. Wait, why don't you let Calvin go next? Okay, because, Calvin goes next because Kate yeah. is the DC expert. Well, so she, she is, and and, and, and I'm together. far from an expert. I mean, superhero comics. I was forged and, in the, the you know. And you're a Marvel boy. I'm well. It's interesting. I am Marvel. a Marvel boy, though. I actually, I mean, I I read them only intermittently now. Like every but, other Marvel comic reader. Yeah, but so I I'm, do think that. Um, I mean, I still think that Marvel's. Yeah, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. That, that Marvel's has still has a coherent sort of universe. I it really depends feel like, on who you ask. Yeah, I feel like you can, you know, as someone who read Marvel in the golden age of, of the 1960s, and I can kind of go to Marvel now, and I kind of know where I am more or less in the universe. I can pick up a DC comic, and I am lost. But you almost you were completely never a DC lost. person. Yes, no, I no, am. no, that's not true. I started as a DC person. I changed um, when I discovered uh, Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby uh, somewhere about 1964. Yes, yes, Calvin. But I mean, 1964. I know it's a long time ago. Calvin, an awful lot has happened. I know. That's why I preface it. But that's my point about Marvel. I can pick up a Marvel comic today and I can still kind of figure out where everything is. Well, I will say. But I can't do that for DC. I have only a working knowledge of DC. But you know something? I think that that it's not fair to the DC universe because you know what? If we read any, if we read like five years worth of Marvel comics, we've got a very thorough, as you and I both did. We have a very thorough grounding. Well, I can only give you my perspective. I know. but but, But I think that's fair because these books are meant to be open to new readers or returning readers. Well, once again, that's what I'm questioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it, indeed they are. So, Calvin, what did you read? I read um, the uh, Rebirth of uh, Action. Well, now there's two kind. What's the? Yes, there is uh, action. They seem to be both action. Well, the one- nine seventy eight. No, yeah, nine fifty eight and nine uh, fifty seven. I read that, and then I had two Green Lanterns. Here, let's see. The action comics were done by. Let's see what the teams are. Um, let's see. Nine fifty seven is. They did the same thing. Oh, the same one. Yeah, Dan Jurgens wrote it. Um, Patrick uh, Zercher is the artist. Uh, Tamel Mori, colorist. Um, and we're just going to leave with that. They did the same thing with Detective Comics. They did 934 and 935. Uh-huh. Because okay. they're a thousand issues. Because these coming. are like, yeah, right. This is a, yeah. Then see, on now for the Green Lanterns, um, it was, uh, let's see, uh, written by Jeff Johns uh, and Sam Humphreys, and then art by Ethan Van Skeever and Ed Baines. So, uh, and then, and, and, and look, look, honestly, the Green Lanterns, um, I'm, I, you know, I didn't like the art very much. Uh, all the women are kind of posed like weird fashion models and drawn in that way, and too. And they have the same face. They all have the same face. Um and there's a banter that is so strained among uh, the two new Green Lanterns. Uh, now, 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 I really haven't read, as I've said before, I haven't read Green Lantern since Gil Kane drew it. So I, I'm not to be taken seriously. And I find I the explo- can I finish? Um, and then I'll you know yeah, then you're yeah, gonna you get then you get plenty you of can, chance. You can, you can uh, and then uh, I'm the explosion of the Green Lantern universe. I find completely baffling though the endless colors. Though I understand Jeff Johns really has you know that's kind of become his franchise. So certainly at one point. So but I would have to say I I I didn't enjoy the stories. I find the Green Lantern universe incredibly diffuse and a little confusing. Can, can, can I just say I also found in every book I read the strained banter. 
her. Oof. Yeah, a bit much. You know, it's uh, like that classic of, old Marv Wolfman. Hey, high pockets, what's going on? Yeah, except, you know, Marvel was funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the action comics, I'd have to say pretty much the same way. And this because, actually, I thought the action, uh, the new 52 reboot of action comics was great. I thought the Grant Morrison version, and I'm first, I can't remember the artist, who I also thought was terrific. That was really dynamic. It really kind of returned Superman to a primal kind of state. I love the the, the kind of t-shirt. Um, Lex Luthor was at its best. It was just a dynamic fight mm-hmm. scenes and actions, uh, a gripping plot. It was just good. So to see this, the action comics here, the return to of Doomsday. Um, I mean, it's got Lex Luthor again, but it's just Superman with his arms folded, hovering in space, giving speeches. It's really boring. I the like fight that. scenes, oh, the, those fight scenes space. are cliched. It's just bad. Really bad. Uh, um, uh, now, um, I should also say one other new 52 that I really love, and I'm sort of amazed. This is what they need to do more of. Gene Yang and John Romita Jr.'s Superman. Um, I read Volume 1 Before the Truth. Awesome story. Lively. Um, the, the, the new kind of relationships, because it kind of takes Superman back to this beginning. Dynamic. Um Great plot, uh, good fight scenes. John Romita Jr. is terrific. Uh, dare say I like him even better than his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, now, back to Rebirth, the last one. The one comic that I did like quite a bit, and that was um, Superman number one, Rebirth. Um, once again, I'm a little bit lost with the Superman um, reboot from 52. Um, and also, I'm completely baffled. Not completely. I, I'm just scattered by the multiple Earths. I never kind of got that. I kind of dropped out of comics uh, through the 70s. I only read uh, dope comics and, <laughs> you know, and, you know, uh, basically underground comics. Um, so I missed a lot of this, so I had to come back. But the art in this is, I thought, quite good, expressionistic. It's lively. Who did who did the art? Let's see. Uh, it's uh, Son of Superman, written by uh, Peter Thomasy and Peter Gleason. Um it's Patrick Gleason, I think. Patrick, oh, excuse me, Patrick Gleason. Uh, who did the pencils here? Uh, Patrick Gleason. Uh, oh, he. Oh, oh, I see. Uh, those storytellers, they call them. Yes. Okay. All right. So, and in the anchor is uh, Mick Gray. Um, I know this is part of the New Fifty Two, where somebody from Earth Two, the Superman from Earth Two, comes in. Oh, that's the other thing. In the other um, action comics, you've got Clark Kent from Earth, whatever. In now, I, I mean. I find it incredibly diffuse. I, I just don't understand. I understand that this is what they have to do to try to figure out or reverse what they've done in the past. But I think it's it, it the notion that a new reader can in, can enter this universe. Uh, I don't see it. I think it's completely baffling. Um, well, there's it. But I did like Superman number one. Yeah, uh, Patrick Gleason is a very good artist. Uh, okay, I'm so. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Yeah. Okay, okay I, I so, can explain. Please, Kate. Right, Kate. The confusion. Yes. No. Could please. Of, I, I do want to hear. I just Superman, wanted to finish. Which is all the other characters? They could keep the same version and just have them remember new things. Yeah. Uh, but they couldn't do that with Superman because. One Superman was married to Lois Lane, and then New Fifty Two Superman is, is single, single yes. and then dating Wonder Woman. So yes. that would have been right. awful. That would have been very awkward. Yes. So 
So I think they haven't really... Kinky. (laughs) No, go on. I don't think they've decided. Frankly, this is my my little pet theory. They haven't decided which version of Superman they want to keep yet. Yeah. So they're going to keep both for a while and see which people like better, whether they want uh, Superman who's still married to Lois Lane and has adapted a little Kryptonian kid, or whether they want like angry, primal, dating Wonder Woman, Superman. Yeah. Meanwhile, over in... I think they should go back to... I like the Superman Wonder Woman hookup. I think they should go... I think they should go back to Clark and Lois dating like they always have been. And then just like Spider-Man did. You know, because he's always like... It, it, that's you can have these eternal characters, these eternal yeah. situations. That's how serial fiction. They, Superman they, and Lois should date, and then he should. Then Wonder no, Woman should be his mistress. Pal, but I don't like. <laughs> I really dislike Wonder just, Woman and <laughs> Lois Lane are not Betty and Veronica. Yeah, and you know no, no, that's no. what it's becoming. And, and you know what? <laughs> I think both brunettes. You have the big three <laughs> fooling around. I don't think that's. I don't like that idea. No, Calvin. <laughs> that is a really gross <laughs> gesture. No, Calvin. <laughs> Calvin, I could you stop it. that now. Right. We anyway. won't say what right. I was so, so, doing. Okay, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> well, I think um, the one that I thought was the best out of the lot was I really liked uh, Ruka's Wonder Woman. Ha ha. Because. No surprise. Well, because uh, one thing is that he, this was like the first comic that I read out of all these that really, aside from the obvious, the rebirth one, that really head on address the what the hell is this two sets of memories yeah so like the very first page of wonder woman rebirth is her listing both of her origin stories and going which one is real because now she remembers both <gasps> and and yeah. a few other things that pop up and then she goes See, that's like, interesting. she uses both versions yeah. and then she goes which one is real and so she's like what is going on here and so there's like a page, this great page where she's punching a mirror and and each one, each fragment of the mirror is a shot from a different Wonder Woman comic. Wow. With her right. yelling, with her saying, no wonder the story keeps changing. <laughs> I want to read this. Wow. Now. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. And also I, I only flipped through it, but yeah. I, uh, the art by Liam Sharp, who's going to be the, the, there's going to be two artists on Wonder Woman, Liam Sharp and Nicola Scott. And you know, they're both, they're, they're both awesome. really good. Yeah. 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 See, actually the way it starts is Wonder Woman decides to test, use the lasso of truth on herself to figure oh. out what the truth is. Clever girl. Nice. I like that. And, uh, and she says, who? Who has done this? And why? I am a fool. I have been made a fool. Uh, no wonder the story keeps changing. Very so, meta. I kind of like this. And so she's she's decided to to go to Olympus and figure out what's going on. Hmm. Well, actually, that does sound cool. And it's, it's, it's actually really yeah. good. And it's it's very Wonder Woman-y. It's also very exciting and like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like sort of letting the weirdness hover on the edge of the page. Mm, yeah. Just like addressing it head on and That's making great. it into the plot. I, 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 you've, you've sold us on that. Um, I would say that um, the Green Arrow and the Detective Comic ones were workmanlike. Were fine. Were kind of work a day almost. It was like <laughs> it is it was like they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get you back up to speed. We're gonna take these two issues and chug along and then on ramp you and by the end we'll be at our new normal. So um, Green Arrow Rebirth was on one hand did a good job of introducing Ollie's personality which had gone missing for much of New 52. And, uh, but it it is like 
old Disney movie levels of super fast romance mm. for um, mm. Ollie and Dinah, that is to say, Black Canary. So, you know, like, he is having sex with her pretty much immediately after she's, like, basically pickup artisting him where she's just like, I'm going to put him down a bunch and then he's going to want to bang me. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't say that, but that's totally what happens. She's just like, yeah, I think you're an entitled rich boy and I think you're not as good a superhero as I am. And he's like, who is this woman? Right. Uh, and suddenly they're doing it because so see, the they heat, can't. The heat is back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it ends on a cliffhanger of, I'm not sure why I care. Well, no wonder they were I've eyeing each the, other the, in the, the rebirth the annual. The cliffhanger is, <laughs> I might be pregnant. No. <laughs> no, the cliffhanger is, uh, is my half-sister really evil or not? I don't know. Mm -hmm. okay. I don't know. Is she? Um, but, you know, I mean, so the only thing. So what's your overall grade? Uh, my overall grade of Detective Comics and Green Arrow would be a B. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and um, the Detective Comics ones uh, with James Tynion and... Um, Eddie Burroughs. Eddie Burroughs. And I will say that, well, you know, some people say, well, it's a cliched plot, like, like Batman gets the team together and is like, hey, guys, we need to be on this job together and stuff. And people are like, I wonder what Batman's real plan is. He never tells us enough. Um, <laughs> Batman, it's always like that. Uh, at the same time, it did a good rendition of that and uh, introduced you to the full Bat team. And, and so that you knew exactly where the continuity was for all of them and whether they knew each other or not. And then, okay, they're all going to work together. And so it did. It was a good honor. It was fine. There was nothing off in any of the characterization. It was readable. It was kind of exciting. It wasn't like amazing, so, mm -hmm. but it did the job. So, it's a B. So for you, these were acceptable introductions. Well, the, these were. Not all of them are. So, so I would say that the Green Arrow and the Detective Comics were acceptable. The Batman one was a C plus. I read one of the Batman too, but I, I just found it incomprehensible. I, it, knew, I had no idea what was going on. It was... It wasn't so much incomprehensible. It's just why do I care? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, see, I don't know. I don't know who these new characters are. I, I didn't know who almost any of them. It was the black kid. Well, he's new. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. His name is New Guy. Calvin. New Guy. Yeah. He but, was and, the and, and I'm, I'm happy to say, look, I need to do some some background. No, but but it, for a you know for issues for supposedly new readers, that's a failure right there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, just don't see on, how you, if you can't get a new reader interested in these books. You know, I if have you to, can't get a new reader to like Batman, you have a problem. Right, and I have to be honest. I mean, I haven't read the Batman one, so I can't uh, speak to that. But, you know, the, the issue is that with New 52, it really did bring a lot of new people in. Yeah. And it was done, uh, you know... It was and you could, you could do that. You could yeah. pick it up and understand yeah. Yeah. more or less where you no, were. No, I didn't stick with them because I yeah, just don't yeah. have time to read periodicals at all. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and really pretty much the same for me. Although I did stick with Action Comics because... Mm -hmm. Grant Morrison. Right, right, right. Well, I will. I want to give one word of praise uh, to these. All the books I've looked at, I really like the art in them. And in general, I mean, there's a couple of stinkers in there, but in general, the art does look a lot more different than than the new Fifty Two. The house style is as strong. I like the coloring a lot more. It's really gotten more into bright colors and away from the gray purple brown that that the new Fifty Two <laughs> was often guilty of. So, uh, so you know, there's definitely some really good things in there, but... Uh, well, I mean, I was not saying that all of these are good on ramps. Some right. of them, as witness Green Lantern, 
which does not give us any reason to care about these characters. Um, as witness, Teen Titans, which was kind of like whatever. Um, and the Batman ones. The Batman ones, like, I mean, the ones that were called Batman, as opposed to Detective Comics, were just kind of like, why do I care? And if you do that with Batman, you have a problem. And in fact, the one Superman comic that Calvin liked, I kind of didn't like the uh, Superman comic, Superman number one, um, where, I mean, I thought the art was fine, but I felt like it managed to make both versions of Superman look like a jerk. Whereas, <laughs> where, well, where the action comp in this particular yeah. issue, I'm not saying forever, yeah, 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 no, no, no. Uh, where, you know, like the action comic Superman is just sort of like, I'm gonna bully a five-year-old. <laughs> And yeah, that does happen. I, to me, it was more. It was part of the intrigue of the story, but 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 that is the impression that it gives off. You're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, and then meanwhile, other Superman does not come off as a good guy either. He comes off as scaredy cat, basically being like, "Well, I'm just gonna hide here from the other Superman," <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, "This is lame." Uh, but you know, I mean, at least it was interesting. I guess yeah. I just was just like, "Why is Superman such a jerk?" Now, one yeah. thing I am interested. Did you did you read Flashpoint? Which I did not. I did not. Yeah. Okay. I, I read like the last part of it. Yeah. And and uh, I mean you know, that was a pretty was, radical. Well, I thing mean, from what I, from what well, I understood from uh, reading I mean, about it. If you read Flashpoint number five, it went directly into Rebirth. Yeah. Zero, nah, really. Yeah, I mean, okay. both, Although that was not what was originally planned no, to do. No, but I mean it did yeah. pick right up and um. Uh, so um, yeah. In any event, um. I mean, I, I mean, in some ways, it is an interesting look at the modern editorial strategy of a big-time comic book publisher. Um, I mean, radical changes in many ways that they've decided to, I know, I won't say do away with, because Johns does seem to have this... Uh, um, big tent. This, yeah, this, this future that sort of mashes it all together in one way or another. But, I mean, one of the things... From reading the, uh, the the giant rebirth, uh, I credit Johns with actually writing a readable, fast-paced, actually interesting account that is spectacularly absurd. Um, be, because at the end of the day, it, it, it's a monster. He it, he's really created a you know a, a genetic abomination. It, that's interesting in parts, but I mean, as you look at once you've read through it, you just see the seams. Well, I think it's <laughs> the because stitches. it's the very first issues. I think. Well, I, I, once I, again, I'm talking about the big the big I know, issue. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. What I meant is, I think that six months from now, they're going to have papered all of this over. Yes. And if you pick up a new comic. It may or may not be confusing to you, but it won't be more confusing than it was before. Yeah, unless unless you start going through Wikipedia and going, "What the hell is this?" So don't well, do that. I guess that's dear one readers. way to look at it. It won't be any worse than it was before. No, and I, I mean, I, I think what what you know, like what high aspirations. There have been, uh, the reviews on these have been mixed, but sales have been very good. There's definitely yeah. you know they've all all the issues have been selling out. Uh, which has got to be a, is a it, big relief. Is it owed to the what the hell is going on well, factor? Well, everybody is sampling these, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'll see in, in, in four months, we'll see how yeah. much retention sure. there's been. Retailers like it. I mean, there's been a very positive reaction mm -hmm. for the retailers. And I think, you know, I think this was playing uh, playing to the base. Well, well, yeah, and we've talked about this in previous shows. I mean, my theory is that this has to happen now periodically and not every five years. Something yeah. has to happen. There has to be some story something that goes on 
that there can be hoopla around. Well, right. uh, but I do think part of it is that people have not had time to get emotionally attached the way they did before to the DC universe as a whole because it had basically been the same, basically, basically, since the 80s. Yeah. And then Rebirth. I mean, not Rebirth. Yeah. And then no, New 52. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think five years is not long enough for people to get mad about changing things up again. And it's not long enough for people to have completely forgotten well, what they're missing. And yet, uh, as we uh, segue perhaps into our the rest of our five years, a lot of other overview, things have changed. Uh, you know, things are so different than they were five years ago. The pace has increased. Um, you know, just looking. Uh, I mean, we had social media five years ago, but it was not the juggernaut, uh, the entire huge juggernaut that it is now in our lives. Um, I, there was no Uber five years ago. Um, and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I feel like the, the you know, the, the, the competition from other forms of entertainment. I mean, we thought there was a lot five years ago and there's even more now, especially with television. And, and you know, in the movies, these characters have become very popular. But DC, DC has like, a, you know, million dollar advertising campaign and that they have these successful shows like Arrow and Flash and Supergirl yeah. and, and uh, World of Tomorrow, right? Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. See, I, I, I can't. Yes, I know. Kate corrects me every single time, listeners. But, um, but you know, they have a very successful uh, television television and- universe, and that should be, you know, somebody who watches the Flash show should be able to pick up this comic and say, "Oh, yeah, that's what's going on. I see. I like this." Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. So, so, but you know what? I'm sure we'll be revisiting this. Yeah. Uh, some other things to, yeah. to come well, in rebirth. It's, but it's what else? What else? In that earlier show, you know, I, we we actually were talking about the movies that were coming out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in fact, the Green Lantern movie was coming out at that time in, in some ways. Uh, and I think we also talked about uh, at the time this the ones that had already come out among them Priest, Dylan Dog. Um, which did do very well. We were waiting for Captain America, well. the right. first Captain America. Wow, wow. Smurfs. I think X-Men First Class had just come out. Um, Damn. Yeah. X-Men so, First Class had just come out? I think it had. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I think it Damn. had. Five years of J-Law. Um, uh, as I said, as we, we mentioned, um, the state of uh, female creators at DC, well, I think one of the other things they were that, pronounced shameful. Right, right, but then I think, what, what was, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit about digital and, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and what else has gone on? And I we, mean, in five years, I'd say digital is stabilized, but there we have some digital fatigue now, or? Um, well, that's interesting. I mean, I don't, um, there certainly is a general uh, ebook fatigue going on. I'm not sure that that's um, affected the comic side. I think. Just yet? Yeah. I mean, as far as I can tell, it seems to be that people who had back issues they always wanted to buy have now bought them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, people seem to like their digital comics. Yeah. I have not seen any die yeah. off in that. I mean, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't buy a lot of uh, periodical comics in print. I do buy actual graphic novels, even though, you know, we I live in the world of free graphic well, novels. Well, you know, making space on the floor. Yes, yeah, but really I do awesome. buy, I do, I do go to bookstores and buy things. Um, but you know what? What I do buy, I buy digital comics. Uh, usually, usually out of I just want it and I want it now. Right. And so um, I continue to do that. I think back in that original um, program, we talked a little bit about Marvel Unlimited and other things. And mm-hmm. and you know what? I wanted to the the bring. We mentioned Marvel Unlimited available through Starbucks Wi Fi. Yes, yep, for a while. Right. Is that had, still going on? No, no. no. But see, but they it was a promotional thing. I think it went on for like a year. 
Oh, and okay. So yeah. while you were at Starbucks, you could browse Marvel Digital Unlimited for free. And there was I a see. bunch of other, like, you know, I and think at the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. I mean, there was a bunch of publications that had partnered Yeah, Starbucks. basically Starbucks was having promo <laughs> partnerships with different people to encourage people to go to Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but uh, you know, I, I, I find digital comics incredibly convenient. I mean, yeah. um, I'm, not, I'm not giving up my print comics, but you know what? I like to have this right i like to have it my particularly for superhero comics frankly i like being able to just say you know what i heard about this or when black panther came out i bought my print copy because i'm still that kind of stupid gotta have my number one but you know i bought it in digital <laughs> that's yeah. how i read it <laughs> well there's I, I think uh when we started five years ago the tablet was only a year old the ipad yeah. was launched in 2010 yeah and you know we thought that there was going to be big things for tablet comics we thought there were going to be tablet based comics and so on and you know that never really took off no in way. there are plenty of comics on tablets but there right. are very few comics specifically made yeah for there tablets. Are, well what about the, the, the dc digital line i mean they have quite a lot again justice those are not, huge bestsellers tablet based though it's, it's online it's digital it's digital yeah. you can read them on your tablet but they're designed in such a way that if they want to print them on paper they can and they because do. that's what they did hmm. with bombshells that's what they did yeah. with uh injustice both of which were True. huge hits for Mar for dc but, and are now uh, and now aren't hits you worried that that's a little bit of an artificial definition no, tablet no. Alone? No, because no, no, everything no, 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 may no. i finish what i did my point is that Everything digital is meant to be read across all platforms. Yes, yes it's but, not. But, nothing is designed for one single yes, platform. Yes, but there were actually there that were was the a idea. whole bunch of comics that were actually native to tablets back in the day. Mm -hmm. Okay, that and, were developed, and you wrote quite a bit about one, Calvin. That was the Aid Operation Ajax. Yeah. Well, that's that's a little different because those were actually apps. But even and yeah, I'm talking about an app is native to a, a yeah, tablet. Yeah, yes, I guess it is. I guess you're right. <laughs> there, okay, there you're was, right. I backed off. I'm wrong. You're there, absolutely right. The idea was um, that we were wondering if it was going to be that, as, okay. as I, in Scott McCloud's theory. Yeah, that, I see what you're saying. That the I'm edges wrong. of the panel would blur because it would be native yeah. to digital, etc. I'm et wrong. You're absolutely right. And things have done that, but not in like comic booky comics. Right. And now the one thing that we're seeing right now though is a little bit of a resurgence of this idea except that it's more native to mobile with uh, Line Webtoon and Stila yes. which are yeah, both yes. launching lines of original comics that Absolutely. are meant to be read on your phone uh, with smaller panels uh, you know larger lettering yes. that, that even old people can read on their phones. Uh, yeah, my confusion uh, with, with, with how you refer to them, the interactive comics, comics that actually can do all kinds of other things besides just be read, they have gone nowhere. Yes. You're absolutely right. And in, in fact, it's interesting because th the same thing has happened in the prose world. You know, right. the enhanced ebooks and all the like, nobody really wants them. You know what they want? They want plain vanilla digital to print. Or Snapchat. <laughs> uh, or Snapchat. People want ebooks that are print. Period and nothing else. Fine. And with digital comic experience, the same way they want the, the 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 flat color that can be read across all the devices. Absolutely. Well, you know, to give you an example, like there is an author or two who I like, who are now bringing out eBooks of their older works in eBook, and they're doing enhanced eBooks. And it annoys me that I can't buy a non-enhanced eBook even for the same price because it takes up so much damn space. <laughs> I'm just like I I want to read your book. I want to keep it on iPod. Like, I, I don't want it to take up 100 MB. Yeah. Right. But it is very interesting how 
you know, even with the promise of the tablet, uh, you know, everything has reverted to very simple yeah. ideas. Like people use their tablets to watch HBO Go. <laughs> they use it to play, uh, you know, Clash of the Clans. Yeah. Uh, and they use it to read comics. But they're yeah. all very, you know, they're video games, they're TV, they're comics, the old school comics. It's all pretty much the, the formats well, that were popular before. Mm -hmm. Well, and... And games and things like that. Yeah, well, no, there are games yeah. that, you know, more games yeah. take advantage of, of yeah, the Yeah, the tablets. gaming situation, yes, the gaming. right, in which taking care of all of the uh, the features that the thing has. But really for reading, if we're talking about reading, comics or prose, people want basically the equivalent of, of print. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and no more. They don't want video, and they don't want a soundtrack. I mean, they just want right. and the, the thing itself. Yeah, and and digital. You know, I mean, Comicsology, uh, which was around five yeah. years ago, was purchased by Amazon. So you know, it became the big uh, acquisition success story of all of this. And uh, you know, they just announced Comicsology Unlimited a few weeks ago. We talked yes. about that. Yes, which yes, is, yes. It's not really a Netflix for comics, and it's not really no. unlimited. And it's yes, yeah, it's yeah. very comics. No, limited. it's just branded. You yes, know, it's in the, after it's the Amazon little, Kindle yes, subscription yes, service, it's just a little Kindle Unlimited. So uh, I think it's <clears> a you know a very strong five years for digital, and it's become a really strong revenue stream. And we still see. Uh, I think we see a lot of people using it for sampling. I think we see a lot of individual creators using it for sampling mm -hmm, yeah. still, and it's been proven uh, to be a really awesome sampling tool. No, it's true. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and digital sampling services like Humble Bundle and stuff. Oh, have, absolutely. Yes, have, they've also have, have absolutely come onto the comic scene. Yeah, for which we are grateful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. So another thing we talked about five years ago was uh, something very new and exciting called bookish that probably only we remember <laughs> anymore. Well, I yeah. actually don't remember it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I went, our oh. new our uh, the PW ex executive editor uh, Jonathan Segura worked for Bookish. He, ankle he, us to he yeah, work he for left PW to he go came to Bookish. Running back right because back. Bookish was uh, it, does, it was a big disaster. It was a big accident. We actually were talking about that because we were talking a little bit about um, digital comics, um, disintermediating. Publishers, oh yeah, that was the publishers word, selling, yeah, yeah. retailers becoming publishers. Bookish was, of course, was this desperate attempt by the the big five to create uh, a retail. Yeah, kind of like the presidential. They wanted, like the president. Some of the Republicans want anything, anyone who's not Trump. Well, right. the the publishers want any retailer that's not Amazon. Right. So bookish was started to do that. It was a basically complete failure. They couldn't get it going. Um, they they did amass a giant database of sort of book recommendation technology that they actually sold to someone else eventually because it was. You know, the whole thing imploded. But um, it, it was kind of where the industry was at right. that moment. And surprisingly, five years ago, I, I'm sure that we were uh, questioning uh, the future of print. And guess what? Print has print, been yeah. just Print's fine. Print's doing just fine. Over the last five years. Just fine. And, and ebook sales are flattening down in uh, among the mainstream big five publishers. Right. Um yeah, print has done just fine over the last five years. Uh, you know, digital sales have plateaued for the big five publishers. Uh, you know, book sales are, uh, I don't know if they're up from five years ago, but they're certainly stable. And certain yeah. categories have absolutely gone up. You know, uh, young adult books have, yes. remain very strong because adults read them. Yeah. Um, coloring books, adult coloring books has <laughs> coloring become books, another the print absolute category. fad over the last yeah. few years. I saw a Spawn one. Yes, there's their oh, the graphics. And, everybody's doing it. Yes, that. everyone's doing it. And comics and graphic novels, up until this year, 
um, had remained, their sales were suddenly growing. I think last year, 2015, was the biggest year ever uh, mm -hmm. as we've tracked these sales through Diamond. And um, um, I think they're still up. Um, graphic novels still graphic up just barely. Graphic novels are up just barely. Periodical mm -hmm. sales are way are down in units. Yeah. They're down about a sixth in units from last That's year. That's huge. Which mm -hmm. is kind of freaking huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a reason why Marvel and DC are continually are rebooting. Doing this. But yeah. uh, I would say that in the last five years, you know, uh, sometimes we do a mic drop here. I mean, it's like everything that we believed in and, you know, books have been nominated for yeah. the National Book Award several times. I mean, there have yeah. been bestsellers. They've we been were talking about more readers turning out to be women and guess what the, yeah. the yeah, numbers absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Books for kids have soared. Absolutely. Graphic novels Huge. for kids, which I was once told that kids didn't like comics mm -hmm. uh, and didn't want to buy them. Uh, this is the fastest growing category mm -hmm. uh, that there is in comics. Um, uh, more you know. publishers are dabbling and launching graphic novels. I found out a publisher today that I can't mention because they want to keep it quiet until a Comic-Con. But uh, another publisher that um, does that has not done graphic novels up to now is going to be starting a whole new line. Right, and yes, yeah. we've, we've seen. Listen, we've seen a pretty stable industry in the last five years. I, I don't I can't think of any major publishers that went out of business in, the, in this time period. As the you know, Borders went under. I think that was probably that was huge. That was probably the hugest thing. And we're looking yeah. right now well, at, at Hastings. We talk about uh, Hastings on the last about podcast. The last stop at Hastings, which is now the third biggest bookstore mm -hmm. chain. Well, well, and some things really grew. Archie took off hugely, mm -hmm. and Image yeah. did well, gangbusters. Image has just yeah. it's a success story. Yes, Image. They're is, like the number three. Well, they've always been number market three. Market share, but though, they're like, their number three share has like yeah, yeah it's in ballooned. double digits now most of the time. Hmm. So, and they've certainly picked up in the bookstores where uh, certain other publishers have kind of dropped the ball. And um, you know, there's more. There's just more, 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 more. Uh, you know, and in that time, uh, we're forgetting the big one. Disney bought Marvel. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That was in 2009, so that was before. It was before. It was in 2009, yes. That was yes. a little yes. early. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's been an eventful five years. It really uh, has been an eventful five years. Here and I, more you to know, come. And I mean, last time, just, just quickly uh, talking about, you know, we were, last five years ago, we were kvetching about the lack of female creators. I mean, this time they did a lot better. And, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, they have a lot more. Uh, female-based artists, um, and certainly since then, I mean, it's just, it was happening then, but it really has just, um, it's just incredible. Yeah, well, like we, five years mm -hmm. ago, I, I've, I've used this metaphor many times in this podcast, but it's almost as if the clouds just rolled away yeah. and the sun was mm -hmm. out. Well, know? and part of it is that last time around, five years ago, when people complained, DC acted like they were space aliens. Like, well, where did you want us to get these women? Do you know any women? Yeah. yeah. You know, and now, like, that's become a mainstream discourse that they've had to deal with. Right. And I think, you know, five years ago, another thing that they did of the New 52 is they did that reader survey, remember? And there was yeah. a lot of controversy because they, they had different results. And one of them showed only 7% of their readers being female. Another showed that was like 18%. And they went with 7%, which we were all questioned at the yeah. time. You know, uh, I think it was about three years ago. Um, that, uh, you know, I, I ran this on the beat that uh, we did some Facebook research that showed that 47% of comics readers or comics likers yes. on Facebook were female. This was like a huge, huge Yeah, big thing. deal. <laughs> this was like a really big deal. And, you know, these statistics are still quoted um, when people are talking about the diversity. I think it was just things like that. And also the fact that uh, these TV shows that have been on, 
these films, you know, Marvel mm-hmm. movies. I mean, we can barely, yes. you know. Uh, and you did a panel at, at the Comic-Con, if I'm mistaken, yeah. where you brought Rob Salkowitz in with his Eventbrite uh, right. research yes, which that is essentially ago. backed up. Yes. Well, no, All every single yeah. every single reader survey that has been done since then has has backed up this 50-50 split. And, um, you know, my suspicion, I, I've heard this, I, I've never really found the smoking gun, but Indiana Jones, like, I am still searching for it. Uh, apparently, research was definitely done at Warner Brothers that did show that that 7% number was a lot smaller. <laughs> and uh, it's really... You mean a lot larger? Was yeah, it was a lot. Was a lot. It wasn't seven percent. It was a lot more than seven percent. Yeah, like yeah, add forty. Yeah. It was forty-seven. Yes, right. So, um, and the results have shown that. You yeah. know, I mean, we've just seen all kinds of uh, representation in comics. Just you know, I mean, as we speak, it's definitely the biggest thing going. It's the biggest trend in comics, and you know, Marvel just this week has been promoting Mosaic, which is a new character who is uh, black and has a black creative team, and uh, he's going to be a major... Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Sure, absolutely. And even even my, like, you know, head scratching about... Who's the black guy in Batman? Right. Well, that's a good question to have to ask. (laughs) You know, so, you know... Forget my ignorance. <laughs> this is a good thing. <laughs> right. And I mean, you know, one other, a uh, couple of other things that we haven't even touched on uh, is, uh, you know, conventions. Yes. I mean, they were huge then. They're huger now. They're even bigger. They're even I bigger. mean, There's new ones are bigger. And they're growing at every end from the yeah. uh, Comic Arts Festival to the Megacons. Yeah, absolutely. Never yeah. been more popular. And, yeah. So basically, comics were really big. Comics and graphic novels were really big when we started this podcast five years ago. And they're even bigger and huger and everything or more now. And, uh, you know, the cause of that is because of the More to Come podcast. We, It's all us. We're too modest. But you know what? On our anniversary, we decided we were going to let it all hang Absolutely. out. So, yeah. you know, so. Uh, so comic book industry, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a really awesome five years, guys. And I've enjoyed every, every week of doing this and, you know, talking to so many people when we do our interviews and getting yes. together with you guys it's always stimulating and i learned stuff the old fart comic book fan you brought me into the modern world yeah and and, you know i couldn't i i couldn't have better partners to do this seriously you guys are also calvin and kate i mean you know you're so insightful and everything and i learn from you guys every well well. you know obviously heidi you're 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 the most terrific comic book reporter there is kate you're awesome you make this thing happen Uh, really you're the reason why there is a comic podcast at all and i have to say everybody um anybody who says women don't know anything about comics <laughs> let me tell you uh i you know i'm proof positive that that ain't the case well that's always well I, I must say <laughs> that it's always been interesting when i get a listener and they're like are there no white men on this podcast <laughs> to which the answer is no no there are no white men on yeah. this podcast sorry guys yeah <laughs> but you can listen and we love you anyway. and we love you listeners absolutely. of all colors yes. types creeds genders absolutely. everything and you know it's always appreciated and uh you know when we are at a show and i run into a reader it's it really warms my heart uh, uh you know you guys have to listen to us blah, blah, yeah blah, that's very very impressive and uh, yeah i mean it. i have to say when i run into somebody who's like hey I'm I'm like a fan of your show and something or other about like that proves they've actually listened to it. I'm like you you guys exist. Like we feel like we're talking into a void sometimes. Um, so hey, never feel shy to approach one of us at the con and like say anything, however Absolutely. dreadful or good, about our podcast because we love to know what those little 
disembodied numbers out there on the yes, internet. Yes, that we, that we look are. at it on PodTrack. We want to know who you are. And so. thanks to our guests as well. We've had yes. so many amazing yeah. guests on And we show. have more mm-hmm. coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. that's right. Cause and we have, uh, we're going to continue our five-year special with uh, some interviews. Yes, And uh, with up. some of our decision-maker uh, influencers over the next uh, week or so. And uh, so, yeah. So we're going to keep at it until... Uh, tell the world may crumble. I guess. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. And you <laughs> so know why we're going to do it? Because there's always more to come.